to the Sports Objective, the podcast for pirates. You're listening to Absolute Empowerment with Coach Jeff Connors on the Sports Objective. Join Coach C, a USA Strength and Conditioning Hall of Famer, every Monday night to see in a variety of guests, including former players, former and current coaches, pastors, and others will discuss relevant issues in coaching today's athlete with the goal of equipping the athlete and those coaching them with the physical, mental, and spiritual armor necessary to live their best life. Here's Coach Connors. Welcome to Absolute Empowerment. Uh, today we have a very distinguished guest, Pastor Brian Moss of Brooks Avenue Church of Christ in Raleigh. And we are all the way live with Pastor Moss today. And uh, Pastor, uh, I had the honor and privilege of coaching you at East Carolina University. And uh, I am very proud of what you've accomplished through your career. In fact, you have recently moved here uh, from Texas, where you were uh, for a good stint uh, in your pastoral career and have taken the reins in Bro- at Brooks Avenue Church of Christ in Raleigh. So uh, very happy to have you on the show first. Yes, sir, Coach C. Glad to be here, man, and uh, grateful again for the opportunity. I uh, And we are absolutely uh, elated just to be back in North Carolina, be back uh, in pirate country. And uh, looking forward to the opportunity to continue to serve here. Yes, sir. Yeah, the first thing I want to talk about a little bit is a little bit about your uh, your ministry, your church there, uh, because I'm very impressed with what you refer to as core ministries. And so be- before we get into the message today that you're going to deliver, I was wondering if you could maybe just touch on those a little bit. I'll kind of go through them here. Uh, I saw where the first one you have listed is uh, journey groups. Yes, sir. We have uh, come to the place where we realize a couple of things about our society. You know, our society has grown more and more individualistic, more and more uh, spread out. And people are looking for opportunities to connect. You know, we live in this world of social media and all these kinds of things, and they're great. But what they miss, what people are often, what's often absent from people's lives is this sense of community. And it's hard to get community in an hour and a half on Sunday mornings. And so journey groups are designed for you to meet with people who live in close proximity to you to build community around your common faith uh, in Christ Jesus. It's, it's for you to grow together, for you to study the word together, but really for you to do life together and kind of have family away from family. Coach, see, you may remember um, not that long ago, families lived in close proximity to each other. Yes, and sir. you would have families who would fill up entire neighborhoods and you would have different groups and everybody knew everybody you knew your neighbors, you'd watch out for it. We don't live in that world anymore. And so right. journey groups are designed to fill that need and that void for people to have family away from family. Gotcha. Yeah, my mother's side of the family came from Germany and uh, where my grandmother and grandfather lived. Uh, I grew up there until I was about six years old. I'll make this a very short story, but almost everybody on that street was related to me. And uh, mm-hmm. so, uh, 
I'm very much familiar with that. Uh, yeah, it's beautiful. I grew up in one of those neighborhoods. My mom and her family lived at the, it was called Zion Hill. That was the name of the street. And it was actually a hill. My mom had nine brothers and sisters and they lived at the bottom of the hill. And my dad had 10 brothers and sisters and they lived at the top of the hill. And everybody in between that whole neighborhood, I'm related to all of them. And yeah. so I grew up in that kind of community too. And it was a beautiful thing. That's very interesting because the community uh, that I was talking about was referred to as Dutch Hill was also on a hill. <laughs> How about that, man? <laughs> oh, yeah. That's awesome. So tell me a little bit about your special needs group. Hey, yeah, man. So our, our church has a unique ministry um, to, to people in our community who have special needs children in particular. And uh, it's it's unique because it's not something that we do once in a while. It's a ministry that we used to serve people, create a safe space for them to bring their kids uh, to church and to a space specifically for them to worship. And it's not exclusive to kids. You know, there, I think the youngest one may be about three or four years old. And then the yeah. oldest one is in his uh, 20s. And that's a week-to-week ministry that we have for people. Also, the big event for the year is there's a special needs carnival. Uh, where we partner with all kinds of groups in the community to create an event that caters to their needs. These kids come from all over right. Wake uh, County and Durham County, uh, even Johnson County to come in, just have a good time uh, cater to their needs. It's just a really awesome way to connect to the community. And on top of that, there's a school uh, that we partner with that uses our facility uh, on Brooks Avenue use our church building um, for kids with special needs. And so that's one of the the kind of major ministries that we have for our city uh, here at the Brooks Avenue Congregation. Wow, that sounds awesome. That's a really great idea. It, it is, man, it is. We, hey, Coach C, I, I, I want to tell you a real quick story about that. Um, the About the second week, I was still moving into my office and uh, one of the kids from the school looked like a middle linebacker for uh, University of NC State. And I needed some help moving. Now, I hadn't met this kid, but he reminded me a lot uh, of, of, a, of a middle linebacker. He's about 6'4", about 245, and uh, with hands the size of a, of a bear. And, uh, you know, I'm thinking this kid – is not going to be able to get this this uh, this table up the stairs. It was a wooden table, it was very heavy, and because uh, I was struggling to get him, and he's he's a, a a student at our special needs school, and he came in and said, "Hey, uh, Pastor Moss, uh, they told me you needed some help moving something." And I was like, "Yeah, we got this table over here. It's real heavy. If you could just help me lift up lift up the front, we'll carry it upstairs." I turned around to get something off my desk. He was at the bottom of the stairs with the whole table on his shoulder, carrying it up the stairs by himself. And so sometimes we think that special needs kids uh, are handicapped, but actually they have superpowers. And this kid is, uh, is, a, is a prime example uh, that we shouldn't overlook kids with special needs in our community. So I just wanted to share that. Uh, we yes, might need sir. to get him into powerlifting. Uh, with you. There you go. I, I think there, uh, I, I'm not sure if there is powerlifting for special needs kids, but I wouldn't be surprised. I'll have to, 
investigate that a little bit. Yeah, please do. Uh, please you know, do. how about your uh, your college age ministry group? You know, our college age ministry group has, you know, I'll be one of the things you'll find out about me is I'm the pastor that's going to be completely honest with you. We have, it has lost its way. Uh, I don't, yeah. m- most people who don't know much about um, ministry, in particular as of late, there are so many, um, what's the term I want to use? There's so much bureaucracy and red tape on university campuses that it's hard for local churches to have a very vibrant presence. But the reality is, is that on, on these major campuses, but this church was actually built on people doing personal ministry on the campus of NC State. Almost every person who has been at that church for an extended period of time is a student of the NC State University. So imagine this pirate getting up in front of this Red Sea every Sunday to preach. Uh, how much of a, they get to poke at me. But I said, that's okay. We're not the ones who canceled uh, the schedule. Uh, I, I know you like to say that it means more to us than it means to you, but the reality is you're the one who don't want to play. So uh, I get to poke at all those NC State students and grads uh, at our church. But that ministry is something that we're looking forward to rebuilding uh, in the future. Yeah. Well, I was always happy during my time in East Carolina. I think I was I got the experience five wins over NC State. I enjoyed every one of those. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, uh, I, I was a part of a couple of those. So yes, sir. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, so <clears throat> let's just mention one more of those. Uh, how about your Christian uh, community connections? Absolutely. So one of the core values of our church is community connections. I mentioned. Um, to, along with the special needs ministry, I think I may have mentioned this, but there's a school that operates called Dynamic Opportunities. We partner with them to provide space uh, and a location for kids with special needs to get an education. But another one, which is near and dear to my heart, is Agape of North Carolina. Now, Agape of North Carolina is a ministry that helps children in foster care find families that are believers. And so they, they take families that are within uh, the Christian community that are looking to uh, perhaps adopt a child, and then they bring those families and those organizations together to make that happen so that the church can be a safe haven and a place for these children who have a unique need, especially during this time of yeah. the year. And uh, it's, it's, it's a sad commentary that there, you can't imagine how many children who don't want a PlayStation 5 for Christmas, they don't want a new bicycle, they just want a warm bed to sleep in and somebody who they can call mom and dad. And yep. so Agape of North Carolina is a great partner of ours that we've been, I think, serving alongside for the past 12 years. And uh, the president of Agape of North Carolina was at our church this past Sunday. And uh, we're looking forward to doing great things with them in the future. Yes, sir. And I I don't think I ever mentioned this to you, but Michelle and I, my wife, we became foster parents uh, when I was at uh, UNC and uh, for about a year and a half. 
And it wow, was no, I didn't know that. Cool. Yeah, we took yeah. in a little child, a uh, little, a young girl who was five years old. And uh, my wife did an incredible job with her. And, uh, uh, you know, we, we, of course, weren't for adoption, but we wanted to somehow enrich the life of a small child. And, and uh, I give all the credit to my wife. Uh, uh, she just was so loving. And, uh, you know, when this when this little girl came into my house the first day, uh, she wasn't looking real good. And I got so choked up, I had to go into the, <laughs> to the kitchen by myself for a while. <laughs> So I could pull myself yeah. together. So, uh, but yeah, uh, had some experience with that. So, but, but great core yeah. ministries. Uh, uh, that's got to be very exciting for me, all the core ministries that you have and, and congratulations on, on getting off to a, to a bang with, with the church. And, and, uh, you know, I can't wait to come Thank and experience the service. And I, I'd love to maybe get involved with that carnival. Absolutely, because we we'll definitely get you in contact with our people who plan that because yeah. I think uh, you would enjoy it, and I know they would enjoy you. But I do have one question for you. I know the little girl she came in, um, you know, kind of struggling that you guys uh, brought them to your family. And I I thank yeah. God for you and your wife having that kind of spirit. But I'm wondering, did you get her whipped into shape to where she could make her 300 times before uh, she left you guys? Well, she played soccer and she had really good speed and had really good feet. So we would enjoy how fast she was. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, so she has a family of her own now. I, I keep in That's touch beautiful. with her, you know, but she was adopted after, after we had her. But, uh, but yeah, so it's really good to see her doing well. Awesome. Um, awesome. So, you know, we're going to get into the sermon now a little bit here, but every day we hear about, you know, turmoil within politics, turmoil on college campuses, uh, uh, as the part of the world is now at war, and we're not even going to get into the rapture today. That would be another uh, another presentation. But, uh, it's coming, uh, huh? Oh, yeah, and then we have the, the leading presidential candidates are all going to prison. And, uh, but, oh, you know, my goodness. Yeah, that's what it's looking like, of course, you know, so. Uh, yes. uh, but anyway, uh, I think I, myself and probably others, you know, I, I need an evening of solace uh, to bring me into the Christmas spirit and uh, a message of peace and hope and grace and encouragement. And I just thought, who's who better to deliver that than Pastor Moss? So. Uh, I'm very encouraged to, to hear your message today, and uh, I'm going to let you go ahead and, and get into that. And pretty much all you're going to hear from me from now on is amen. So, uh, so <laughs> okay. I'm going to let you go, Pastor. All right. Well, listen, Coach. See, I appreciate uh, the opportunity. And, uh, man, I love your passion for Christ and for sharing it uh, within your own context. And I think that's beautiful. And it's an example to the rest of us that we we, we don't have to be in a pulpit every Sunday, but we are all walking and talking pulpits and, and our lives should be a reflection of what we actually believe. So God bless you, coach. And uh, let's get into the word. You, you mentioned a little bit about um, the situation that our world is in right now. We've, I, like you said, our politics looks, our politicians look like they, they all might, might end up uh, 
catching a case uh, and doing some time. And we've got conflict in the Middle East and uh, we've got weather that is destroying people. There's so much stuff going on. Um, But what I've come to realize is I study scripture and really doing this holiday season is that those things are not necessarily new, that the world has been corrupt for a long time. And that's really why we ought to all celebrate Christmas. This is the season that in Christian circles we call Advent. And Advent has to do with the coming. And so as Christians, this season after Thanksgiving leading up to Christmas Sunday, we call Advent. And it helps us to look back in celebration that Christ came into the world. We sing Christmas carols, joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. It's reminiscent of Luke's account of the gospel when he tells, the angel tells Mary that he brings good news with glad tidings. In Matthew's account, another angel tells Joseph that your son will be the savior of the world and that you should call his name Jesus. And all these beautiful um, this beautiful language around the coming of Christ, and we celebrate that. But what Advent also does is Advent helps us to look forward in anticipation. So we look backwards in celebration that Christ came, and we look forward in anticipation that Christ is coming again. And so whether we're looking backwards or forwards as believers during the holiday season, in the world that you describe, it's a reason for us to still have joy. We celebrate that he came, but I want to encourage us to live and anticipate that Christ is coming again. If we forget that he's coming again, then we lose sight of what God, of how God is calling us to live. So Christmas is about looking back and looking forward. Speaking of Christmas, I want to call your attention to a passage about Christmas that we often overlook during this holiday season. We typically read Matthew chapter 2 and verses 1 through 12. It's a beautiful picture of these men that the Bible identifies as magi who have come from the east. They follow this star. Some of them call them astrologers. They follow this star that led them to Bethlehem. They meet King Herod or Herod. And Herod interviews them, asks them why they're here. And they said, we've come to celebrate the birth of the king of the Jews, the savior of the world. This, uh, the Bible says something very interesting because it says that it troubled Herod. Of course, any king would be troubled to hear about another king being born in his kingdom. However, what was strange was that it didn't just trouble Herod, it troubled all of Jerusalem. What's interesting about that, Coach C, is Jerusalem, according to the Jewish messianic expectation, had been waiting for this king to be born for over 400 years. But like many of us today, when Christ showed up, they didn't recognize him for who he was. It's a sad commentary that when Jesus shows up in our lives, too often we don't recognize him or give him the glory that he's due. But this 
verses 1 through 12 of Matthew chapter 2 is the story of these magi coming to see Jesus. And we get the nativity scene from this passage of scripture where they bring him gifts. The Bible says they go into their treasure and they put out gold, frankincense, and myrrh. You remember those three wise men is what we call them in the nativity scene. And these three gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and that's beautiful. But they leave after they worship. And that's where we pick up in Matthew chapter 2, verse number 13. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, and where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time that he had learned from the Magi. Then was it, then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled, a voice heard in Ramah weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. Let's pray together. Great God of heaven, thank you for today. Thank you for life, health, and strength. Thank you for being our God and our Father. Thank you for the time that we share together. Lord, we ask that on this podcast and on this evening that you would bless uh, our time as we share in your word. Help us to see you for who you are and respond in a way that will be pleasing uh, and acceptable to you. This is our prayer that we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I want to share for just a few minutes from this subject. I still have joy. I still have joy. And I'll begin with a time with a quote um, from a doctor, medical doctor, and a preacher from the 20th century named Martin George Loans, who said that it is our duty to have joy. We have no right not to have it, and it's clearly dishonoring to the Lord Jesus Christ and to the work that he's done not to have joy. He said it is our duty to have joy, and it's dishonoring for us not to have joy. And I know what you may be thinking, this passage that I just read is not a passage that speaks about joy, but it does sometimes you and I have to position ourselves spiritually and get to the place of the spiritual maturity that we understand God is calling us to joy in spite of our circumstances. Joy is a disposition or an expression of delight that is grounded in who God is and what God does in our life. Oftentimes, we confuse or conflate joy with happiness. During the holiday season, it's important for us to realize that there is a distinct difference between happiness and joy because happiness is based on what happens to you and joy defies what happens to you. Happiness is dependent upon what is happening 
and joy is independent of what happens to you. Happiness based, is based on what happens to you, but joy is based on what happens in you. The old preachers would describe and define joy like this. Joy is a calm delight that is completely independent of what happens to me and solely dependent on the God in me. But joy is a noun and joy is also a verb as it's used in New Testament scripture. And the verbal form for the term joy is rejoice. And so you will read through the book of Philippians and the books in the Bible, you will hear the term rejoice with joy. And as a matter of fact, in first Peter chapter one, verse number eight, Peter tells the scattered saints to rejoice with joy unmeasurable. He says that sometimes words won't be adequate enough for you to express with integrity the joy that you have. And so sometimes when you win a game that is important to you, that is necessary, that means a lot to you, you express joy. When you you remember, Kosi, when we beat University of Miami, when we literally had survived a hundred century storm. The way we as a team celebrated and the way our community celebrated had less to do with that game than it did with how much we had to overcome just to get to that game. That's a picture of expressing your joy. That was, I, in my personal opinion, as I look back on it, that was something that God put in us that no devil in Raleigh or in Miami could take out of us. <laughs> and, and so sometimes words are not enough. There has to be some expression that indicates that God is doing something on the inside of you. And what I'd like to encourage you to know is that when you read Matthew chapter two, verse one through 12, these people are on a spiritual high. They were on high. They had just realized, number one, these are newlyweds. Number two, they had had a son. Number three, that son was supposed to be the savior of the world. Can you imagine after 400 years of waiting as a people that this family, this young family came to realize that they are the ones that God chose to bring the savior of the world into this world that that had to be an amazing high well that's what happens in verse number 12 the very next verse their whole life changed they went from being extremely happy to dealing with extreme fear in one chapter of their life they get this great news in the next chapter of their life they receive the worst news any father could ever hear somebody is out to kill your child and so god shows up he sends an angel to joseph as he continues to do throughout his life he sends his angel to joseph listen Herod wants to kill your son so i want you to get up take your child to egypt stay there till i tell you to come back home and it's this incredible emotional roller coaster that we read about in the scripture and the reality is that's just how life is sometimes in life you'll be up and sometimes in life you'll be down you can get the best news of your life at nine o'clock and 12 o'clock you can receive the worst news of your life you never know where life is going to take you and that's why 
during the holiday season, we cannot base who we are and how we are on what happens to us. We've got to rely on the God who is at work in us. The saints of old used to sing a song that is near and dear to my heart. And, and I'm not a singing preacher, so don't, don't look for me to sing those songs, but I, I can give you the lyrics. Jesus is the center of my joy. All that is good and perfect comes from him. That's why Christmas is so important, especially in a world that is as broken as our world is right now, that we see the enemy at work all over the world. And if we are not spiritually blind, we can also see God at work all over the world. Sometimes we believe because of what is close to us, what is uh, has proximity to us is all that there is to the world. But really, there's a God who is bigger than you can ever imagine and more powerful than you could ever dream. And he is doing great things in his people, through his people, and for his people all over the world. And the greatest thing that he's ever done, you can say he served it on two platters. He sent his son into this broken world and he sacrificed his son on an old rugged cross. And really, that's what Christmas is about. I'm going to give you three ways to find joy in Christmas. Christmas and the reality of it is that you can be up sometimes and you can be down sometimes, but you still have to find joy. And the first way to find joy in Christmas is, in spite of what you see, celebrate who God is. The reality is, is that we serve a God who is creator and king. We can use one word to describe this God. He is sovereign. Sovereign is the idea that he has the final word. When you read this passage, what is pointed is that this insecure king who wanted to destroy all the little boy, brown boys of Bethlehem because of his own insecurities said, I'm going to kill them all. I'm literally, the text says, Herod is going to destroy all of them. But we cannot simply base how we feel on what we see because we can see the tea leaves, Herod's going to destroy them all. But here's what God said. I will deliver this baby boy named Jesus. Now, I want to just suggest to anybody who may be watching or listening on tonight that perhaps we too have an enemy that wants to destroy us. As a matter of fact, Scripture says in John chapter 10 that the thief comes but for to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I have come that you might have life and have life more abundantly. So during the holiday season, if you are still looking for joy, in spite of what people, or in spite of what you see, celebrate what God says. God says, no weapon formed against you shall be able to prosper. God says that you're the head and not the tail. God says that, that you're the lender and not the borrower. God says that every tongue that comes against you shall be condemned. God says that you can do all things through Christ who gives you the strength. God says, after you've done all that you can do to stand, stand there for. Listen, during the holiday season, in spite of what you see, celebrate who God is. Here's number two. The second way to find joy it, this Christmas is in spite of what people say, celebrate what God said. I think that speaks for itself. The text says that Herod is going to destroy him, but God says, I'm going to deliver him. The biggest picture I can give you is a picture of a God 
who has the final say. It doesn't matter what anybody else says about who you are. It doesn't matter what anybody else says about what you can do. All that matters is the promises that God has given you. And if you're looking for joy this Christmas, it's of necessity that you remember who God says you are and who God, what God says you can do. And here's the last one, Coach C. I won't keep you too long tonight. The third way to find joy this Christmas is in spite of what people do, celebrate what God does. At the end of the day, that's what Christmas is all about. I know we love to set up our Christmas tree. I know we love to put on our reindeer uh, hats. I know we love our ugly Christmas sweaters and we all like to get our families together and deck the halls with boughs of holly and sing all these Christmas songs and do all these festivities. And those things are great. But if that's all Christmas means to you, you'll never really find true joy. Because Christmas is not about what you can find under a tree. But Christmas is about a God who loved you enough to leave heaven, live perfectly before me, and still be persecuted and prosecuted, crucified. That wasn't the end of it because that wouldn't distinguish him from anybody else. He wasn't just killed, but he had enough power in him to raise from the dead. Christmas is not about what you can find under a tree. Christmas is about a man named Jesus who hung on a tree to buy my pardon and to buy yours. So the question is, what is God doing this Christmas? He's given you life. He's given you love. And he's given you a savior named Jesus. And the story goes that when he was born, there was no room for him in the end. And so when he came into this world, his mother wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. That baby boy born in Bethlehem is a reason all of us can have joy this Christmas. Thank you so much. And uh, God bless you. That's our message for this evening. That's how you can still have joy this Christmas. Much appreciated. And uh, man, I just gotta tell you, I've been a fool for joy in my life. and. Uh, I think sometimes I was such a fool for joy that I had to ask forgiveness for some of the places I went to be so joyful. So, <laughs> so I'm hearing I'm, I'm hearing you there, brother. But uh, yes, uh, awesome message. And uh, do you have anything specifically like you want to share with any collegiate or any athlete that's uh, that's tuned in here? at this time of year? Um, Absolutely. I think that in terms of Christmas, especially for the ex-athlete, we, we often look for meaning outside of the sport that we played in and we look for purpose in life. And what I would encourage uh, everybody who's listening, athlete or non-athlete to do, uh, but specifically for athletes, is find your joy in Jesus Commit yourself to your family and those whom you love and those who love you. Give your life to Christ and watch him work it out. I, I know that uh, the holiday season is especially hard, but I shared this with my church on Sunday, and, and I'll share it with you. Um, there's a group, um, young group, called Maverick City. 
and one of their favorite songs um, is He Will Work It Out. Um, you know, when you've given your whole life, to, the first 20 years of your life to something, and then it's taken away from you, trying to find your way without it, that can be difficult. I don't, I don't care what, what sport it is and what stage of your life it is. It, it can be you've given your whole life to a certain career, and now you come to the end of it and you're trying to figure out what's next. The tendency is is to get desperate or find desperation or even depression. But I want to encourage you during this holiday season, no matter how dark it is, that one thing I know and one thing that I found is God will work it out. And so my message for you, if you're an athlete who's who's looking for a clear path forward tonight, is trust the Lord. And and here's what the scripture says. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. And in all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will direct your path. Literally, that means that he will take what's crooked in your life and he will make it straight. All of us have walked on some crooked paths before. Uh, me and Coach C. But if we'll put our trust in an almighty God, he'll take the crooked ways of our lives and he'll make them straight. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm somewhat familiar with Maverick City. You know, of course, you know, I became very familiar with rap music, of course, you know, hip-hop during my career. <laughs> yes, sir. Because, uh, uh, that was the music of choice in the weight room for many years. But I, Co I just I got to tell you, I got to tell you, Kosey, uh, now you, your audience may not want to hear this, um, but uh, I had to tell my church to be honest in case they jumped in my truck uh, and I forgot to turn off my music. Hey, listen, I love the Lord and I worship my almighty God, but I can't listen to the Canton spirituals in, in the weight room, Coach C. It's just not in me. <laughs> I, I, I need some hard-hitting hip-hop while I'm in the weight room. And so I told him I trust Lee, Jesus, but I listen to trap music when I'm working out. I hear you, man. But uh, <laughs> I wanted to mention that you know, one of one of my favorite songs is uh, this uh, this white Christian rapper by the name of Toby Mac. I heard one of his songs one day uh, when I I kind of learned that he lost a 21 year old son, and he uh, had a song about that was which was pretty incredible. But uh, he had another song called "See the Light." See and, the light, uh, Toby Mac. Yeah, that's an awesome song that I will mention because uh, that's definitely one of my favorites there. I might have to um, check them out. Yeah. So <laughs> uh, can you share a little bit about the tradition of Christmas in your home and what's important for you uh, during the holiday? Uh, what are some of the traditions that you found to be rewarding in your own home and your family? Well, I'll tell you what, um, Coach C, like most of the athletes that you have trained, over the years, I didn't come from a home that had a whole lot of uh, money to buy Christmas presents. Um, as a matter of fact, when I was, uh, just before I jumped on the call, my wife sent me a picture. I'm gonna see if I can pull it up on my phone. You, this this yeah. is gonna be uh, uh, interesting uh, for you. I'll see if you can see this. Can you, can, you, can you see that? You know what that is right there? I can see it, but it's blurry. It's blurry, okay. This is what Christmas used to look like for us. This is 
a uh, fishnet of sorts of uh, that's shaped in the form of a stocking. Oh, I uh, see it now. Uh, yeah. yeah, I got you. Yeah. And in that in that stocking that's made of fishnets, you got some tangerines, you got an apple, you got some pecans, uh, and about three or four pieces of candy. And when I yep. grew up, when you see those right there, you knew it was Christmas. And we celebrated that little stocking stuffed uh, fishnet right there. And uh, so, so Christmas wasn't about a whole lot of gifts for us. Christmas was about coming together with our family, right? And celebrating what we did have. We didn't, we didn't have uh, the capacity to know that we were as poor as we were because we had family around us that loved us and that supported us and that who taught us about this man named Jesus. And really that's what Christmas was all about. And, you know, my parents did the best they could with what they had. And sometimes we got Christmas gifts and sometimes we didn't, but we always had somebody there who loved us. And we always had one of them, them fishnet stockings full of tangerines, apples, pecans, and candy. Gotcha. And I think, I think that, uh, you know, with, with our upper mobility, um, you know, sometimes we lose sight of what really not just Christmas, but all holidays are about. And it's, it's about getting the family together and celebrating uh, what God has done for you. Tell me a little bit about your boys right now. Man, Kosi, I'll tell you, my boys are coming, coming into uh, their own. They've transitioned well from Texas. Uh, to North Carolina. Um, you know, I met my wife at freshman orientation at ECU and uh, we've been together ever since. And I, I told my son, I said, son, now I know you think these girls are pretty in Texas, but wait till you get to North Carolina. It's going to be like something you've never seen before. And uh, just the other day, he's 14 now. <laughs> I said, those Southern bells are something else, man. I said, uh, uh, he said to me the other day, uh, when his mom was looking, he said, Dad, you were right. <laughs> and so uh, he's learning about Southern Bells, and and uh, I'm glad to hear about that. that. That means a lot to me during his days and age. And my baby boy, my son finished his first, his freshman year uh, at, at football at Panther Creek High School. He's learning okay. the game. He's got these long arms. He's Coach C, you remember when, when we first, you may not remember, but I was really, really weak when I first started working with you. Uh, I don't yeah. think I could really bitch press 225 pounds. And I had never heard what a power clean was. And so I, I struggled when we first got together. But that boy, I took him to, to work out about two weeks, three weeks after his season was over. And uh, so they hadn't lifted all summer. I mean, all all season. I don't yeah. know why they don't lift during the season, Coach. I don't understand that. Um, but uh, he's 14. He's 165 pounds. And without any work, he bench pressed 205. And, nice. uh, yeah, I said, okay, boy, it, it, without lif lifting all season in your first day in, you're, you're benching 205 as a 14-year-old freshman. Um, he, he, he came in as the strongest freshman on the team, and, uh, or on JV, so that included sophomores. And so uh, we're excited about uh, his growth and maturity and, and he's found something that he can excel at, so we're glad about that. And he's doing well in school. Baby boy is getting big, Coach C. He's getting big. He's a D-tackle in the making, man. Uh, 
uh, he thinks he's a basketball player, but we're going to use basketball to get his footwork right. And then we're going to put him in four-point stands. And so, gotcha. uh, yes, sir, right now he's uh, about five foot one, and he's 127 pounds. And in the third grade, by the way. And so, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're excited about, about both of them, man. We're awesome. excited about both of them. Yeah. Yeah, thank you, man. I just want to thank you so much again and uh, again reiterate the fact that uh, I'm just personally so proud of what you've accomplished in your life. And uh, thank you. So I much. wish you the best with your church, of course. And I will show up one of these Sundays out of the blue. Yes, sir. Get my feet moving a little bit up in the aisle, maybe. There you go. Come, come through, Coach well, C. I yeah. tell you what, uh, on, a, on a serious note, in, in February, uh, we plan to have a men's conference that I want to talk to you about. So, so oh, awesome. perhaps over the next couple of weeks, uh, we'll get together and and see what role you can play at our men's conference. I'd love for them to hear your voice and uh, for you to be able to encourage. I'd love to do it. Uh, well, before we go, I, I just wondered if you could uh, kind of lead us in prayer for, for everyone out there for Christmas, and uh, and then we'll go ahead and close it off. All right, absolutely. Uh, great God of heaven, we appreciate you for being such an awesome God. We thank you for sending your son into this world. We celebrate that he came in. Lord, give us the strength, the courage, and the capacity to live in anticipation that he is coming again. Lord, for all those who may be hurting, for all those who may be low, we ask that you will give them joy along their journey. Bless them to see Jesus for who he is, accept him as their Lord and Savior, and obey the gospel of Jesus Christ during this season. Lord, we want to say thank you for Coach Connors and the man that he is, the life that he's lived, and the example that he is setting in this season of his life. Lord, you, you have promised that when we're young or when we grow old, you will never forsake us. And we know that uh, just because Coach C has this white hair, he had it when he was 40 when I met him. Uh, so he's still young and we ask you to continue to give him good strength, good health, longevity and prosperity. Uh, and Lord bless this platform. May it reach to the highest mountains and may it flow to the deepest valleys. May it reach all over the world for people who have need of what you have put inside of him. Bless us as we depart, then we give you the glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, and thank you so much. And you know when you have white hair, you could be 40 or you could be 90. Nobody really knows. <laughs> That's right, man. That's right. Hey, and still look good. That's it. Yes, sir. Well, Pastor Moss, I love you, and thank you so much for the message, and I'll be looking forward to seeing you sometime in the near future. Uh, this is Coach Jeff Connor signing off for Absolute Empowerment. God bless, and we'll see you next week. Thanks a lot. God bless. You've been listening to Absolute Empowerment with Coach Jeff Connors on the Sports Objective. Join us every Monday night for a new edition of the show. Listen to the show pretty much everywhere podcasts are found. Be sure to follow us on social media at the Sports OBJ on Twitter and TikTok, at the Sports Objective on Instagram. Like and follow our Facebook page and subscribe to our YouTube channel. 
As always, we appreciate you listening to the show, and go Pirates!